Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to Why Are People Into That, a pervy conversation show about sex, kink, gender, and love. My guest today is Ashley Page. Hey, hey. Yes. Oh, I didn't even need to cue you to say hi. <laughs> You're so profesh. Yeah, Ashley Page, whose pronouns um, uh, she made sure to let me know are she, her, and daddy, which we're going to come back to later. Ashley Page is a pro-dom alpha female and kinky travel companion based in New York City. She's been engaging professionally in pleasure and perversion for more than a decade and specializes in the art of catharsis created by her ethereal understanding of visceral connection through holistic kink and companionship. The femme daddy of your leather dreams and filthy fantasies. You can find out more about her at mistresspagenyc.com. That's P-A-I-G-E N-Y-C dot com. Her Instagram handle is at Mistress Page underscore NYC and Twitter handle is Ashley Page NYC. Hey Ashley. Hey Tina. How do you feel? I feel awesome. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> How are you feeling? I feel really happy to be in this room talking to you for the next <laughs> however long. Same. Ashley and I met, I feel like at sort of like a series of pro-dom gatherings mm-hmm. in New York City, like over the past year. Yes. Like Lucy Sweet Kills Beach Blanket Babylon birthday party, which, which was amazing. That was the party of the summer. It was oh early summer. And I was like, you know what? I can already tell this is a party of the season. I could already tell like all of the people there. I was like, these are the people I need in my life. Everybody was just wonderful. Lucy. Oh, yeah. That girl can throw a party. I'm telling she you. Can throw a party. <laughs> Lucy, you can throw me a party any time. I'm ready. My calendar stays ready for her. (laughs) Exactly. So I feel like we knew each other socially. And then you were on um, the Hacking and Hustling panel. um, And Hacking and Hustling was an event in late 2018 at iBeam in Brooklyn. It was organized by Melissa Jarrett Grant and Danielle Blunt. And it was a, a platform for sex workers protesting SESTA and also sex workers finding solutions for themselves. And, and sharing with one another to, you know, in, in, engaging in the digital world in a, in a post-SESTA America. Yeah. And I just, I was so, I was, I was happy to see you and I knew you would be like, I know you have this like vivacious personality and that you're really funny and really smart. And then you, you really, you told the whole story of what sex the role that sex work has played in your life for the past like decade plus and i was really moved and impressed and i'm wondering if you can share a little bit of that story with us today like fosta sesta the new american law fosta sesta has changed 
the way that sex workers engage with their work, engage with their advertising, engage with the internet, engage with their marketing. Engage with the rest of the world. The rest of the world, absolutely, with one another, with with money, with, with everything. How has FOSTA SESTA changed your relationship to sex work? Well, I'll start with the most recent thing. I was in Sacramento with my submissive mm. after my trip in Vegas. Um, and Oh, yeah, you were at the AVNs, right? <gasps> It was amazing. We'll come back to that. (laughs) But in Sacramento, and um, we're having a good time. We're staying at the Marriott. Mm. And I'm checking out the news. And lo and behold, Marriott decides to join on board with this bullshit idea that single women should not be seated or eating or pretty much doing anything on their own in any of their establishments. So they're starting to watch single women and train their employees to spot an escort, to stop trafficking. However, the idea behind it is so, oh, it's so close-minded and ignorant. A sex, tra- a sex trafficking victim they're never by themselves. They have no autonomy. They don't even carry their IDs. They're not even allowed to speak to anyone without any any kind of, I don't know, um, trafficker near them. Yeah. So looking for single women, whether you are a doctor, whether you're an attorney, whether you're a fucking a model, um, a smut maker, whether you're a sex worker, Literally or whether you're any, a mom, well, if you're a single woman. Unemployed. Yeah, like if you're, you're a just, single woman like, that decides to travel, if you want to pop in and have a beer, if you want to like stop in and charge your phone, they're going to single you out. They're going to train their employees to watch you, which is so ignorant it's it's ignorant because dangerous this is why in my work trying to be an ambassador from the sex work world and translating sex work activism to general feminism has to do with like listen ideally we want you to care about sex workers specifically because they're sex workers and sex work is work end of story. But if you are having trouble with that, how about we talk about how it affects you? It affects all women. It affects all people. Like, whorephobia is misogyny. Mm -hmm. And when you, if you think, if you, as a woman, as a feminist, as a human being, if you think that stigmatizing sex workers or trying to rescue sex workers, which, by the way, is also stigmatizing is going to protect you from sexism, mm-hmm. double standards, discrimination, misogyny, fucking Gilead style, like retrograde fucking attitudes. You are... You it are, adds fuel to the fire that's going to consume you anyway. Right. Or like you're shooting yourself in the foot by throwing other people under the bus, which is like a, you know, a, very, a very violent mixed metaphor but accurate i think right very true very true yeah so so you were in but and and here's the other thing is that you were in a marriott Mm -hmm. with a client Mm -hmm. right so you were but he was working a good chunk of the time right so i've gone down to the bar had plenty of meals worked on my computer but i noticed very specific things right i'm a black woman um and i look the way that i do right i don't necessarily blend in Right. Sacramento is not a town where there is a bunch of folks that look like me. So I stand out even more. Right. I'm never in a. Oftentimes, sex workers, when we're off duty, we do our best to blend in. We're in sweatpants, no makeup. Like we're just chilling. Right. So that's how I come down to the bar. Yeah. 
However, I was seated not at the bar. I was never offered the chance to sit at the bar. They took me to a table in the back Oof. immediately. Now, I'm fine with that. Sure. Because I need to do work anyway, but I peep game, right? I'm watching everything. Mm. Now, there were no other women of color that came into the bar. There were two women that had come in. They were much, they were probably late 40s, right? Or above. Yeah. They were seated at the bar with no issue. And then every other group was, it was a group of women, right? Or a group of women with men involved. And it's very interesting to see the way, the dynamics in yeah. which they choose to engage with their patrons of the hotel because we're all paying members. They have no idea who we are. Yeah. But this automatic assumption that single woman, escort, hooker, whorephobia, we need to isolate. We need to keep our eyes on them, right? It's a problem. It's a problem. And any profiling, whether it's, racial profiling or sex work profiling or obviously there can be like as in your case intersections of both oh yeah is again it's just creating more danger and it's also i feel like tapping into this really creepy i don't know i'm imagining like if i you know i've worked a lot of different jobs mm -hmm. and i'm imagining if somebody said to me keep an eye out for someone who fits this profile Right now, obviously, I'm going to be somebody that's like, fuck you. But like, let's say I need that job. Right. Right. So this is like an economic issue in so yep. many different ways. Yep. Because who are the people who are being exactly, asked to do this? Exactly. And what's even more fucked up, if you are a person of color, say, for instance, you work at the hotel. Yeah. You are a woman of color. It's training your mind to identify and isolate yeah. and play into this game. And to be like, I will be like the system will protect me. If I can, again, like throw somebody else under the bus right. and be like, that is a that that's a bad version of what I am. And by definition, then I am good right. because I am I'm doing a good job at my legitimate job. I'm being a savior. I'm like helping. I'm like saving her, you know, because right. that's the worst thing. No one wants to do this. But the thing is, like, it's hilarious. I'm not even surprised that Marriott has chosen to engage and Marriott has so many different chains. It's yeah. ridiculous. They just took over Sheraton. So they're taking, they right, took there's over like all of them. Right, there's like boutique hotels yeah, that you would Regis, not realize. There's so many different ones, right? It's the octopus. However, however, Marriott has been problematic for years. Like I said, I've been a sex worker for well over a decade, for yeah. 12 years, Yeah. right? And I remember during the time when in King of Prussia, which was the whore mecca some mm. time ago, mm. like you could go out there and just stack up. It was insane. <laughs> Everybody loved King of Prussia, right? Yeah. However, the feds, Homeland Security, they became well aware that this was the whore mecca. Right. And they started a um, federal, federal investigation called Suburban Prostitution. Oh. And all of the hotel chains, specifically Marriott, Crown Plaza, uh, Radisson, several of those, they all came under and they actually, they were assisting the feds by anybody that checked into the hotel. They were researching their faces and their IDs Ugh. compared to Eros ads, back page ads, and they Ugh. were doing busts, they were doing roundups for a good year and a half, right? I was in Philadelphia for quite some time, yeah. right? And I don't know how many phone calls I had gotten, how lucky I had gotten because I was flying out or I was unavailable at the time, but I had several feds call me, Oof. several trying to book. You know, so they have been problematic for some time. This horophobia, the reaches, the tentacles, the insidiousness, it just keeps on going. And it's just, it's closing in. Before it was just, oh, it's sex workers. It doesn't matter. That's not us. Yeah. But now 
that same web that's been growing and attacking us has grown outside of its typical barrier, mm. and it's just coming after all of the women, all femme-presenting people, sure. all people that are on any kind of ledge of intersectionality, whether you're a trans, whether you're femme-presenting, whether you are a sex worker, whether you are a woman of color, whether you are non-binary or any kind of other. Yeah automatically the eye is on you. Automatically or you're perceived, suspect. Or perceived yeah. to be any yeah. of those things. And if you travel by yourself, say for instance, you, you, Philadelphia has a bunch of casinos. Yeah. How many single women do you know that love to go out gambling? Not because they own, but just because they like to like win. Who doesn't like to play the slots or, you know, play blackjack or roulette, whatever your game is. If you're a single person and this is how you decide, I'm going to, I'm going to spend my time this way. I just want to relax. And, and also have to be a single woman automatically there are three three major casinos and that's just in philadelphia that are going to watch you all of the hotel chains in that area are going to watch you they're going to put your picture whether you are a person that has never been attached mm. to sex work they're automatically putting your id your face into a scanner to see are you a sex worker mm. and if anything pops they are locking girls out of their room and searching Oof. their stuff, they're putting them on, I forget what my friend said it was, but they, they have a hoe floor, essentially, where they know it's sex workers and they'll put you on that floor so they can monitor how many people are coming up to that floor, how many people are going down this side of the, high, the hallway, and how many people are you know, doing X, Y, and Z. They monitor your, your towels, they monitor your trash. Like, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, and so also, so first of all, sex workers shouldn't be treated like this. No one should. No one and, and no one should. And like I'm also imagining how like imperceptible the difference is between somebody who, between like your common slut and a sex worker, especially in terms of like going out to a casino, right? Like the way, now you and I could probably tell the difference between a slut and a hoe, right? Because we like we know like you know, we know that that girl's got game. Can I pause for a second? Please. I will say that there is um, a certain level of classism attached to slut and hoe. Totally. Right? So, like, slut automatically, white girl. Interesting. Because slut, there's a certain amount of class, right? A hoe is a woman of color, typically, mm. right? It's been described as a hoe, a gold digger, whatever. All of those things are considered less than. It's a matter of class and race. Totally. And they're women of color. A slut is a higher class of promiscuous individual. And it's an attachment of class and color that is not black, that is not brown that is not of color it's very specific so like that's seeing so someone that real. is very sexually fluid and open mm. right like i'm trying to change my language sure um seeing someone that's very sexually fluid and open and may not be charging sure. has a very different vibration than like a girl that's out here and knows what she's worth and is charging for it Ex right like 100 the hustle is very different right. the presentation is different and it's very funny because all of those things if you are training someone to spot an escort, you're missing all of those things. Yeah. You know, like it's so it blurs so easily. Well, you're also training people to not only spot sex workers, but you, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, this is what we talk about when we talk about the hierarchy, right? Mm -hmm. That you have more burden of stigma as a sex worker when you are marginalized in. Yes other the, the the more of a pylon there is of marginalized identity right and so much of it has to do with class mm -hmm. as you have totally just hit on and even the even the way that that we use slang differently to talk about promiscuous women i don't know if i've ever heard it 
put that way, I think you're absolutely right that when we say slut, we tend to talk about white women. And when we say ho, it tends to be about women of color, yeah. specifically black women, probably. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Black women and women of color. And it's it's very funny to me this like. Uh, we're in a very interesting time where we're trying to reclaim certain names and titles sure. and give it a different definition, different, sure. give it a different meaning um, and a different weight for us, right? And I find it very, very interesting that a term that was used to denigrate women of color. Yeah. Home. that Yeah. Women of color um, and women from a certain class is being reclaimed by so many people that it was not actually used as a slur for. Right. For. Yeah. You know, and it's it's this very tricky, sticky, icky kind of situation. Yeah. Because I've been called a hoe since well before I was a sex <laughs> worker, um, well before I was sexually active. Yeah. Well before I had an understanding of anything. Right. Black girls are automatically assumed you're adult by the age of five <laughs> like you're denial you're denied ch- any kind of childhood any kind of innocence right yeah. so like uh ho fast um mm. uh, a little skank or whatever you know all of these different things are thrown at us from as soon as you oh did you get some little chichis on your chest mm. from that moment on yeah. you're you're no longer a girl you're no longer innocent and there's so many different words that are applied to us to denigrate us and bring us down so as a woman that is now I'll be 31 in March March 31st and as a woman that has gone from then to now has engaged in sex work and has seen the transition from certain words certain ideas being like reintegrated as like the thing to be yeah. it's a fairly interesting time because I've never been called a slut Interesting. Never. No one could ever, like, and you could take that as many different ways as you want to, right? But, like, I've never been called a slut. Ever. So there is so much class and color attached to it that it's very interesting to be in this time where everybody wants to be a hoe. Yeah. And it, it, <laughs> I mean, it's always, a, listen, thank you for saying all of that. It, I don't I probably don't want to open up this can of worms, but it makes me think about the conversations that uh, a lot of us have been engaged in for a very long time. And that is in the news again because of the Lifetime documentary Surviving R. Kelly. But I feel like something that I hear women of color talking about specifically with regards to how R. Kelly has been able to get away with his crimes for so many years has to do with this exact thing that you're talking about that black girls are sexualized from such a young age Mm -hmm. and also treated like anything that happens to them is their fault Mm -hmm. for being, for being sexual for like that burden that's placed on them. Anyway, I it's, it's, uh, it's a lot. We don't have to go yeah. down there. We have too much to talk about to talk about R. Kelly. Uh, yeah. Fuck him anyway. But, yeah, um, fuck him to death. It's so interesting that you're talking about the difference between slut and hoe because calling someone a hoe for being promiscuous has always been a little iffy for me because I think a lot of people use the term hoe and they're not even thinking of it as as meaning whore. Right. Mm -hmm. As meaning a sex worker. Mm -hmm. But that meaning 
is implicit and that that meaning is always there. And when you put it in those racial terms and those class terms, slut versus hoe, even just thinking about like a white woman and a black woman at a casino like or at a Marriott, a slut who is at the bar trying to get laid, she in some ways is trying to get paid too, right? Like she might be trying to get somebody to put a ring on it. Now we're going into respectability. Respectability politics, mm-hmm. exactly. Like the idea of socially sanctioned looking for security, right. l- like looking for money, right? Looking for the relationship between sex and money. Obviously not everyone who is looking for sex is looking for no strings attached sex is looking for casual sex is like looking to get like a diamond ring and a house and like all of those different things right but often they are and when seen in comparison to somebody who is trying to get like trying to get cash now the cash is dirty a ring that's respectable, right? right? right. Um, a marriage that's respectable. You can hate one another. It can be the most toxic thing ever, but it's respectable because he put a ring on it. Right. But if he gives you cold, hard cash, mm. if he's financing your lifestyle mm. and there's no particular <laughs> attachment as far as like um, label attachment, relationship attachment, it's a problem. Added to the fact if he's an older man and you're mm. a person of color. Mm. Doesn't matter. Y'all could have met for love. You walk into a building, there's a certain assumption. Yeah. Automatically, she's gold a digger. hoe. She's a gold digger. But you put a young white girl mm. and an older white man. Oh, she's that must be her sugar daddy. Mm. Oh, my God. She's, I wonder what's going on. Maybe that's its daughter. Oh, God. So the gross. assumption is so different. Yeah. No, it's you're so 100% very right. Right? So it's 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 very interesting. Now I want to have a whole conversation with you about the hierarchy and mapping the hierarchy and race and class and language and all of those things. And now I'm just realizing I'm going to table that for... Un, for I'm just going to bring I'm, you back. I'm totally game to come back. Let's like, do it. Let's be friends. <laughs> I think we're... I think we're... I we're, mean, already we're already there. there we're already but there. I'm even closer. <laughs> okay, so we're going to have a lot of adventures, but I yes. really I I I appreciate you. I mean, I appreciate you speaking to the fact that, you know, there are, there's all this conversation happening online in in um, you know, sex work Twitter and media hot take feminist discourse about why it's fucked up that the Marriott is training their employees to look for escorts and how it is connected to FOSTA SESTA and how it's com- co- connected to the rallying cry of the sex worker rights movement of rights not rescue, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, don't don't put your energy into trying to rescue people who don't need to be rescued. You're actually obfuscating the real crime. You're, you're, you're not, you're, you're both doing harm to people who are already vulnerable and marginalized consensual sex workers women in general especially women who are marginalized for other reasons trans women women of color mm-hmm. working class women etc something that's come to mind in regards to this training right we all know that's all of these different levels of marginalization is going to affect the training in which marriott is giving to their employees right sure and i wonder it's all fucked up. It's all wrong, right? Yeah. But I wonder, how much is their training going for spotting women of color, mm. women that are trans, those that are, like, obviously different, right? Because a a young white girl sure. that comes in 
Yeah. Right. An independent sex worker. There's been this this rise of college educated, yeah, yeah. Um, waspy kind of women. Sure. Right. She's going to have a completely different experience than if it's a same same kind of black girl. Yeah. Right. Same level of class. Right. That goes into the same spot, whether it's uh, just a regular black girl. Right. Or any any woman of color or a trans person. Yeah. Right. Because they're going to have a very different experience. One thing that you can't actually like I'm I'm a sex worker, but you may not be able to tell, Mm. but you can always tell I'm black. True. And I have tattoos. Yes. So that adds to it. And you are you have a I mean, you set off my gaydar. I flag fairly often. <laughs> <laughs> you're androgynous, right? I mean, it's connected to right. your tattoos, right? In terms of in terms of respectability, politics, in right. terms all of all of those like, things are going to play into it. And it's very interesting because we all have tats. Like so many of us have tattoos, sure. But it's very different. Like I I remember growing up and the understanding that having ink on your skin put you in a certain area that you may not be able to rise out of if you're black or if you're a person of color. And it's very interesting to see the times change so very much where Mm. like ink and and body modification, it is the norm and it's embraced and it's it's just loved, right? But attaching that to the class and to the race and all of that and even to the androgyny, right? Your presentation, right? I wonder how much of this training is attacking those like intersections. Exactly. Are they going to like, and then the people that are training it, train like training these employees, their limited experience or their ignorance, they have their their prejudices. Yeah. Their biases are going to inform this education. Of course. So it's, it's just miseducation. Yeah. This miseducation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This miseducation. Like it's, it's just, it's fairly, terrifying and then and then people are get they're you know they're getting that that message from work Mm -hmm. you know it's coming down on high from the corporate overlords Mm -hmm. and then they're taking that off the clock they're taking that into their lives they're profiling people that they see walking down the street and going back to your earlier point a slender white woman who can afford to groom and dress herself in a way that makes her look quote unquote classy perceived as classy respectable Mm -hmm. high class who could be an escort can perhaps go to the bar be seated at the bar going back to your experience and Mm -hmm. your example be seated at the bar order a fucking cosmo or whatever nibble some cheese and never be looked at twice even though she is the hoe right Right. like she's the whore she's the sex worker whereas uh trans woman of color who wants to work on her laptop or have a drink or do fucking whatever in a public space where her cash is green and she is allowed to be who is but is not a sex worker or not doing sex work in that moment right could be profiled right so you 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 literally have a sex worker flying under the radar you know, but this is all under the idea that it is like dangerous or bad for you to have sex workers staying in your hotel, right? Doing work out of your hotel in the first place. Like it's here's the thing, right? Like I I have been around for twelve years. I have been in as many a sex Marriott, worker. Yeah, as a sex worker. Yes, <laughs> I am much older than twelve guys. Um, <laughs> I, 
I, I've, I've been around for quite some time. Um, I've seen a number of different clients from a number of different classes, states, levels of experience, everything. Yeah. Right? We've stayed in Marriott's. We've stayed in St. Regis. We've stayed in non-Marriott associated hotels. Yeah. And I've stayed there by myself. Right. I booked hotels so I could see clients specifically because they asked me to stay in these hotels because it was convenient for them. Sure. I really wonder. Hashtag boycott Marriott. Mm, oh, 100%. If all of the whores, all the sex workers, all the sex workers' clients took our money elsewhere because hit them where it hurts. I mean... Hit them where it hurts. I mean, I think that that is just an illustration of the fact that people want to signal that they care, you know, about protecting women or rescuing women when actually... Their businesses are built on the money that we're making. Yep. So <laughs> fuck them. Boycott Marriott. Yep. So how did you get your start in the industry? Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can talk about that. So wait, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, <laughs> let me put it this way. These days you're an uh, international woman of mystery and you are traveling all over and you're independent and you're... Uh, your social media is like one of those beautiful social medias that I love so much that inte- uh-huh. that integrates your opinions, your politics, your personal life, uncensored, unfiltered mm-hmm. you or the persona that you choose to share on social media right? with your sex work marketing, which is very raunchy and very in your face and <laughs> and very uh in sort of uh like insistent and very kinky and very queer and your your queerness is very integrated into how you're marketing yourself ultimately to men most clients are cis men right right, right. you make clips and you talk about seeing clients and you talk about being a dominatrix and you talk about like all of these different things in your online presence which is a brave, I don't know, brave. I hate the term brave, but it's a, it's a <laughs> being that way online in a post-sesta world is ha- carries more risks now than it ever has before. Very true. What have you learned along the way that has made you feel able to present something that is so uh, to present a persona that is so comfortable and confident? Good question. <laughs> well, let's see. I have been around for quite some time, I keep saying. Yeah. 12 years. Um, I've been independent for the last eight or nine. So what does it mean years? to you to yeah. be an independent sex worker? So um, in the beginning, mm. I um, I got into the industry. I was looking to shoot some porn and dance, right? Sure. And I did a couple of scenes. I was a much bigger girl at the time, um, about 280 and I did like a couple of scenes and uh, it was just boy girl porn yeah came back from LA and was not making any money I worked at Mm. hotels.com I had worked at a couple of different call center jobs and still not paying the bills I had worked at cons electronics store still not paying the bills Um, and family drama things things happening right so at a certain point I had become homeless and Mm. still working my hotels.com job not making money to sustain myself was not an option. Yeah. And I had already had a little taste of the adult industry, had always kind of known that this was something I was going to do anyway. Yeah. And had talked to a friend and her friend had a friend and he was a pimp. And I was very diligent. Like I 
I interviewed. Yeah. <laughs> interviewed and made sure. Um, had like a couple of rounds of that. And then I, I, I had a pimp. You yeah. know, like uh, we were together for about two and a half years. And best, worst, dumbest decision ever. Yeah. Um, it was a very different time. Yeah. Right. I was in Texas. Mm. Texas is not New York. Texas doesn't <laughs> like black girls, mm. not for sex work anyway. The Bible Belt doesn't like sex workers in general. Yeah. Um, especially black sex workers because they will bring the hammer down and they can be corrupt as fuck. So protection in my mind was needed at the time. Yeah. Still got busted. So having a pimp. Having a pimp led me to get arrested. Having a pimp led me to um, having my entire apartment emptied and Oof. losing every dollar I had ever made. So what the word pimp, mm -hmm. whether it's Iceberg Slim or hmm. Jay-Z on a yacht, the whole idea of pimps and hoes really actually kind of goes together. And it's interesting that you were talking about like what ho has meant to you mm -hmm. as a black woman and lots and lots of people who are not part of those communities like think like oh i get it because i have seen big pimp right. on no. mtv nope. right which no, is no 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 which is <laughs> you know it just it's it's marketing just like what we do on the internet I, mean, I will say that like pimps and hoes 10 toes down like all of that that shit is a culture in and of itself mm. right um it is what you see on TV, yeah, as interesting as all the layers of the shit that you can see on TV documentaries <laughs> and shit that have like documented pimping, yeah, it is a very pretty, neat little bubble of a package, right? It's like, all bullshit, right? It's so, like, the idea is that I guess part of what I'm getting at is the idea that being a pimp is. Often, like if somebody says like he's a pimp, they're not necessarily saying like that person manages a stable of hoes. Right. Right. They just might mean like he's confident, he's successful. Right. And there's a hierarchy and a certain level of respect that applies to a man yeah. when you say he's a pimp. I also want to say this when we were talking about promiscuous women. I hate that fucking term. Promiscuous. promiscuous because it's only applied to women from presenting people. Promiscuous. Sure. Is a fucking like. It's an insult. Men are not called promiscuous. Totally. Men are called, called players and yeah. pimps totally. and ballers and like that dude. Like, yeah, it's all a level of respect. You have a dick. Oh, you get mad respect, mad love. Oh, you're a dude that has a dick and you run a whole bunch of bitches that are giving you money. No, no, no. Fuck any idea of what you're putting those women through. Fuck any idea of the level of misogyny, manipulation, fucking brainwashing, and mm. just constant psychological torture mm. that you're putting the nah, 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 nah. You got a whole bunch of bitches that are giving you money and probably sucking your dick. You are mad pimping. So is that your experience of having a pimp? <laughs> <laughs> did I did I flash back for a second? I apologize. Um, please, uh, <laughs> please do not do not apologize. Say that shit. Yeah, I mean, but you also say it was the best of times and the worst of times. It was the best of times and worst of times. I will say it taught me a lot. Yeah, it taught me so very much. You asked how I got to be this very confident, bold in your face, take this shit or leave it. Mm. As far as like advertising and the way in which I present. Ashley Page to the rest of the world, especially in the Sesta Fosta time. I have always been a fairly like bold individual. Yeah. But I will say that like as a person that has a history of abuse, yeah. whether it's psychological or sexual. Yeah. 
those things definitely play into and can help to feed into certain opportunities and and things that you agree to. Me going into pimping, like me becoming a a, a hoe and the bottom bitch for a pimp, mm-hmm. all a lot of that played into it, right? So that was two and a half years of my life that I was developing and becoming this person that was just like, nah, this this. Mm. This doesn't sit well with my spirit. I don't think this is for me. Right. And going through that process of trying to figure out and keep in mind, I was 18. Yeah. 18 to 21. Yeah. So in the in the times when most people are like, it's their most formulative times, you know, like it's their most formulative years. They are they're creating these relationships and these connections and growing themselves in very specific ways, which is going to play into who they become later on in life. Yeah. I was a hoe. Yeah. And all of that stuff was very much going on, but in this very specific bubble, yeah. right? And at a certain point, I had to burst that fucking bubble, yeah. you know? And it was definitely burst for me as well. When you're, I was homeless once before I got into sex work. Yeah. I was homeless again when I decided to leave. Hmm. That forces you to choose, are you going to break? Mm. Or are you going to choose to never break? Because... People can do a lot of shit for you. They can try and break your mind. They can try and break your spirit. They can try and break your body. But, and I'm not saying like a whole lot of work, a whole lot of therapy, a whole lot of smoking weed process and crying, <laughs> flipping out, having all kind of moments, deep conversations with my mama, God, my highest self. Like a lot of that was necessary. There was a lot of shadow work involved. Mm. But that moment, that bubble, right of existence helped me to kind of formulate this person that I wanted to be yeah which was not this person that was held under someone else's thumb that was required to do x y and z that was told by a man what I needed to do and in that part in that in that process of becoming that woman yeah right well before SESTA-FOSTA even existed right because when I started when I became independent I'm 21 right like I had left um, Texas I was in Philadelphia and Philadelphia is a very different monster than Texas is, right? <laughs> Two different kinds of monsters. Yo, and this is during the Backpage days, yeah. you know, and Backpage was beautiful. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're almost 31 now, when you were 21, the internet was just starting to be the place that sex workers were connecting not yeah. only with our clients, but with, but with one, one another. another. Which, and as a person that, as a, a woman that comes when you are, when you decide to leave a pimp, you're called a renegade. Whoa. I'm a renegade, huh? Okay. <laughs> Pimps curse. They say, let the pimp gods curse this renegade. Like, it's, <laughs> it's all kinds of levels of bullshit. But I'm a renegade, right? And I mean, it, it sounds, I know it's meant as a pejorative, but it sounds like I'm a great not, thing I'm to be. I'm a renegade all day. Hell yeah. All day. Roughly sure. like 2009, the internet had been around mm-hmm. since the mid to late 90s but in terms of the ways in which we were being, connecting was so different yeah though uh, yeah how how prevalent it it was in in marketing in communication mm-hmm. was really just starting to like, pick up speed i remember before right i was using the internet to post my ads and like of course get creative do all these things engage with clients but it was still kind of this isolated kind of thing if you were if you're coming from a pimp unless you're trying to like knock another girl you don't have friends necessarily you're not dating it's like none of that this yeah. is 
this is just what it is, right? Yeah. You're very limited in your experience. So to leave that situation and then be to, to leave him, to yeah. leave that isolation, to leave that very orchestrated mm. bubble, yeah. right? To becoming independent and going through all of that and then being able to connect with other other sex workers, yeah, right, that weren't trying to, that didn't have this like malicious intent, yeah. but were just other women or or other sex workers, yeah, right. You could connect and you could share safety tips, yeah. You could, you know, you could connect and meet up and just have a conversation. It uplifted my mental health in so many different ways. Like I, the internet is fucking weird, but yeah, the internet was a saving grace. Like I remember when I was in Philly and I had just gotten independent, there was a website called Danger Zone 411. And it was a fucking saving grace. You could go on there and it was a client blacklist site. Yeah. Right. And I had found out about it because I was talking with other sex workers and we were sharing resources to make sure that we were all okay. Something that was very different, like the East Coast, the community on the East Coast, as far as sex work, is very different from that in the South. Right. And everybody Mm. was so forthcoming with just trying to make sure that we were safe. Someone told me about Danger Zone 411. I got on. I don't think I was on there for more than a day. I remember I was sitting in a nail salon getting my nails done. I got a phone call. This is when you still answered your phone because Backpage was real. Sure. Nobody did email because what? Email? No. Um, (laughs) And I got a phone call from this guy named Michael Donegan who he was, he sounded so very smooth. His voice, like that was the first thing that kind of like triggered me, but also kind of like calmed me. Like his voice was just, mm. he had a radio voice and he was so very smooth. He knew just what to do. He knew exactly what to do. He gave me all of his information. He didn't say his name was Mike- Michael Donegan. No. But because I had just signed up on this site and I got that weird little feeling in my gut, yeah. the same one I got every time some shit went down, Yeah. I just so happened to plug in his information and at least 10 pages of oh. shit came back. This Ooh. man was on FBI's most wanted list because Whoa. he was triggering moment, just content warning. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, this man was going around and seeing the new sex workers that came into town all across the eastern seaboard. And he would set up a session and when he got there, he waited till the girl opened the door and he'd shove the door in her face, break her fucking nose, come in, rape, sodomize her, um, fucking steal all of her cash and then he'd steal her ID and tell her if she reported it. He knew where she lived. Like, he was doing this for years. And finally, finally, some women, some people that he had violated in this way got the courage to report him. And that's another thing, right, with SESTA-FOSTA. Yeah. Our ability to report incidents is a violation in whatever sense. Yeah. It is changing that, right, because we have a very severe rape culture here, Right around the world, but America is very specific. It's a matter of your fault, right? Yeah. Whether you're a woman, regardless, right? You have to prove, oh, the, yeah, the, were you the too burden drunk? Of proof. Yeah, the burden yeah. of proof, right? Yeah. It's never on the man, no. never. No. But as a sex worker, whores don't get raped. That is a common fucking thread. Whores don't get raped. And another one is no humans involved, NHI. So many different things have happened to sex workers, violations, murders, time and time and time and time again. And a code that police officers and fucking investigators will use is NHI. No humans involved. So things like this can go on for quite some time. And it was the Internet that helped me to protect myself from not only Michael Donegan, but so many others. Right. The ability to connect and 
communicate with other sex workers, whether it was a client and a client blacklist that you needed to stay, for, stay away from or a photographer. Yeah. Because sex work is wonderful, but it can be a breeding ground for very insidious individuals, right? And they're not all men. No. But men love to thrive in that shit. Yeah. Certain types of men. So photographers, we were able to share, don't work with him. Yeah. Don't work with him. He's raping girls. He's touching girls inappropriately. He's stealing their fucking money. Yeah. And never giving them images. Like all of those different things which have a certain level of violation attached. Yeah. Decreasing or increasing in, in level of intensity, right? To be able to share that and keep one another safe. To be able to share with other girls like, hey, stay away from di this chick because she's recruiting for her pimp. Mm. Right. Because even that, like if you look at if you look at feminism, right, like we have so many different feminism f feminists that are playing into this notion of diminishing, ignoring, crushing, mm. denigrating other women because yeah. they don't fit whatever notion. And if you flip it right, if you're trying to get it like, don't get me wrong. It's one thing to like be consenting and be like, you know what? This is something that I choose. I want to have a pimp for X, and X, Y, and Z reasons. I can't say what everybody's choices should be. I can say what definitely doesn't work for me. Yeah. Right. So if you are if you are an individual that feels that you need that. I can say don't. And let me give you some resources. There's a thousand other resources where you can do this shit independently. But if that is a choice that you decide to make, that's very different than having someone pretend to be your friend. Yeah. And then get you not by her pimp, right? Which means you're now working for him. Or another thing is like girls, girls have been trained talking about the employees and things, right? Yeah. Employees are being trained to watch out for certain for, for certain women, right, that seem to be escorts. Certain hoes that have pimps that may use guerrilla tactics or whatever else have been trained to spot another hoe. Yeah. Tell her pimp where they are, what they're doing, what kind of clients they're making, how often, like they'll watch, just like these employees will be watching Marriott, like in Vegas, in Atlanta, in fucking Texas, like this happens so very much, right? Gorilla pimps, they train their girls to watch and report, and, and then they will go, they and girls have been kidnapped. Girls have been like, gorilla pimps are very specific, yeah. you know? So like, there are certain reasons I won't work in certain places because you disappear. And you have to work for your freedom, and that's if you can get free, right? Like guerrilla pimps and guerrilla war tactics, they go hand in hand. And the training in which they are doing for the employees for Marriott or the employees for or the employees that are uh, non-independent workers of a pimp, they're being trained to it's, lure oh yeah. other women. It's very interesting in order to reflects. raise and not uh, once, not once, like of course in regards to prosecution, criminality, all of that thing, all of those, pimps are seen as like, you know, they're bad. But it's very hard to prosecute a pimp because right. his girls won't roll. But what does that mean? A hoe, well, more than likely, like one that has been trained, air quotes, do you feel my air quotes? Yeah. One has been <laughs> yeah. trained. Yeah. Um, conditioned. Conditioned, yes, conditioned. Will. Abused. Oh, yes, because here's the thing. Like going into abuse, right? If you abuse cycles and trauma patterns, they show up time and time and time again. Yeah. Right. And those that have been violated in certain ways and haven't had that time and space to heal and process and do the work that's necessary are ripe for more victimization. Mm. Right. Are ripe 
for manipulation to victimize others. Yeah. It is a it is a conditioning, right? Like if you want to bring in the the R Kelly thing, right? Yeah. You're conditioned not to say anything. You're conditioned to keep on taking it. Narcissists and um predators. Yeah. They know their prey. Yeah. They know which ones to pick. They know which ones to condition. <sighs> you know, and it's all it's very much the same. You know, like there's so many layers that are just, oh, wow, that's, that's, oh, R. Kelly, Marriott, Pimpin, whoa. Oh, the government, misogyny, whoa. <laughs> whoa, it's all, whoa. it's all the same. Yo. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In addition to being a trusted source of sex toys, kink gear, and health supplies for nearly 50 years, the Pleasure Chest continues to host unforgettable workshops and events. On March 21st, New Yorkers can head to the 2nd Avenue store in Manhattan for a Best Women's Erotica of the Year Volume 4 book reading, featuring editor and friend of the pod, Rachel Kramer Bustle. At the 7th Avenue West Village store on March 28th, check out Don't Give Up Your Pleasure for Lent. Most workshops are free and attendees get 15% off their shopping. For a full schedule of events at the New York City, Los Angeles, and Chicago stores, visit PleasureChest.com and follow Pleasure Chest on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All right, now back to the show. So you had a very young age experiences in the sex industry where you recognize now that you were being abused and we might even use the big e word exploited very much so by your pimp by my pimp by the cops like sure like it's it's not just by the government yeah, yeah by the government <laughs> yeah 100 percent, exactly yeah. and when you left your pimp at it sounds like at great personal risk of being homeless again, having that lack of security, also being a renegade and being potentially targeted for retribution for leaving your pimp, Mm -hmm. right? All this time later, you still do sex work. Yeah. So how is your relationship to sex work changed since you've been independent so i have always been kinky yeah i've always been kinky well before i knew what it was well before i had any kind of vocabulary to express it and one of the things that i wasn't really engaging in was kink when you when i was when i was an independent when i had a pimp right and Something that I often say now is like, I can't do GFE. Like, shoot me in the face. I yeah. can't. I can't. Girl, girl, you can't be girlfriend, girlfriend experience. experience. Like, you know, it, it's so interesting because some people would be like, some people are more suited to that. And for some people, would be, that would be like, that's much more of the work that I would prefer to do. Right. All of this kinky stuff is 
elaborate or it's or or they feel like that's too dark right or so even that's not them there's no drive for them for that right? right and like one thing i often say is like different strokes for different folks what works for yeah. you may not work for me and that's good know yourself yeah, yeah. i know myself right yeah. and one of the sessions like one of the ending sessions that i had in that period was this client that had um asked for a session and he wanted to use oversized toys. This is really like toward the end of this relationship, right? Yeah. And so he wanted to use oversized toys and it ended up fisting him. And yeah. he came like all the way up to like shoulder. Yeah, and yeah. He's this tiny little man. And the conversation, like before we even started, the level of connection and intimacy we had and just discussing kinks, you know, because this was something very new for me. Yeah. And that was what I was missing. Like it kind of it reignited this passion that I have because I love sex work. I love being able to connect with people from all different backgrounds that I would not be able to connect with otherwise. Totally. I love being able to like share different moments that you may not be able to share with other people to be able to like help people to blossom into all that they are because we have to hide and package away so many parts of ourselves. Totally. That's what I've always loved about sex work. Hell yeah. You know, and then like also, you know, like I do like a little bit of an adrenaline rush, you know, sure. like meeting someone for the first time and that... <laughs> This could be amazing or, oh, my God, why? Why? Why did I do this? Right. But you're still going to get paid. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That toss up, you know, that fuels me. And then that connection, it fuels me even more. So that session, it changed everything because I thought I wanted to step out. Yeah. I thought I wanted to step away from this. But that session changed everything everything mm. i cannot remember that name that man's name to save my life but whoever you are my butt slave like <laughs> you are a champion man it's always and one of those things where i'm like i wonder if oh. i i have been shoulder deep in that person too right like it kind of makes you, we might be like rainbow Rainbow, what is that? What does uh, that mean? I, <laughs> I, I don't know i know like high-fiving in someone's colon I actually across space and time. I shook someone's hand inside of someone's colon. That's so sweet. It was Robin Ardworth, actually. Nice. Yeah, it was. It was wonderful. It was a great experience. So that session of fisting a client's ass mm-hmm. helped you to realize that the negative experiences, the abuse that you were enduring, was more about the situation that you were in than it was about the work itself right. and you saw I was able the possibility yeah you you were able to separate them and you saw the possibility of doing the work right. separate from the negative experiences yes. of being under the influence of this pimp or working under the conditions of being managed by this man right right so when i when i left that um and started over i was on the east coast i was in philadelphia and hey philly y'all are some kiki individuals and i love you for it (laughs) um but that that really changed everything you know like it kept feeding it kept feeding this 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 passion that i had for kink to keep exploring to keep and i've always been into holism I think that mental, spiritual, physical integration mm. is 
so very necessary and it's something that we completely miss overlook or yeah. just don't look at it all in the society getting more so into kink connecting with the community on the east coast yeah right like it kept feeding this desire to be like okay i really like sex work i really like being able to connect with these people i went to school for massage therapy i became a licensed massage therapist cool um and i love eastern medicine right so like integrating that into the kink into the sex work into the kind of fetish play and and escorting that I was doing it really like changed the way in which I was kind of engaging with this environment engaging with myself engaging with my own sexuality yeah um like I I've always been fairly queer um but didn't have a real understanding of it until I started to explore more with more people and that happened under the umbrella of sex work right I got to find and feed certain fetishes and be like totally into that not into that, but if you pay me, I can be into that. You know, like, and even that, because there's certain things that, like, I'm definitely into if you're paying me. Right. And I don't do shit that I don't like. Yeah. Right. So, like, regardless of whether we're, we're, it's in a paid session or a personal session or whatever, right, I'm only doing the things that I enjoy. And sex work has allowed me to kind of build that privilege. Yeah. You know, that's a huge privilege. I mean, that... You you are very much describing. I mean, you might as well be describing my that this part of your story is my experience. And I think if I may say so, like it's a it's a total object lesson in race and class to a certain degree in this country that I as as a white person was able at like the age of 24, which is like you know, more life experience than, you know, 18 was able to like cut directly to that Mm -hmm. part where I was like, oh my God, I'm getting this like brilliant education um, while getting paid and like all of that stuff. I'm really glad that we both have been able to come to sex work and queerness and kink in those integrated ways that you're describing. Hearing your story and everything that you had to endure and go through to get to the place that I could just step right into. It's just an example of why I feel like I need to do everything I can to like leverage my privilege to to help people see that that's how white supremacy functions mm-hmm. and that I have been the beneficiary of white supremacy in that very specific way. Right. And it's it's very funny because, like I said, I've been kinky since the beginning of time yeah and you know certain power dynamics and a pempo situation Mm. right like there's so many different things that taken in the wrong light by the wrong individual right yeah can be exploitive right yeah Yeah. but taken in the right light by the right individuals can be kinky power dynamics it's all about context right power dynamics oh i love (laughs) power dynamics like mm, you know but it's very interesting, the context, right? Because with sex work, becoming an independent sex worker and kind of like diving into all my queer, kinky, weirdness, you know, I was able to establish a certain level of understanding and appreciation for power dynamics mm. in a healthy way, yeah. right? And really be able to explore that and push it to the limit, you know? Like I, for, in the beginning, yeah, I had hair. I was totally femme. Like, I totally have hair. I'm just bald-headed and look fine as fuck. I... <laughs> Can can confirm for listeners at home. Yes. <laughs> but before, right, like the norm that's pushed onto you from the rest of the world yeah. is femininity. Sure. 
you know, that in and, order to be desirable, in order to be, in order to have value in yes. the sexual marketplace, yes, that you have to be a certain kind of feminine. Yes, and it's all under like the basis of what a man finds attractive. Sure, like object of the male gaze, yes. feminine. Because you like if you're too if you're too femme in a way that is like this is about my agency and what I want, it can be it can be devalued, not right. by everyone, but but the lowest common denominator. By a, a, by a general population. Like oftentimes it's just not appreciated in that yeah. way. Right. Yeah. Just like if you're too like I'm fairly androgynous. Yeah. I can fem it up when I want to. Sure. But typically when you see me, like I'm I'm androgynous. That just it is what it is, right? And to be able to step into sex work as an independent person yeah and kind of develop my own understanding of my queerness mm. you know and kink and all that other stuff I was able to kind of morph into this person that you see before you today right I was able to Thank kind goodness of embrace, for that. yeah embrace my androgyny embrace my, my fucking oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> embrace my 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 love for power dynamics and my love for leather and my love for kink right mm. because because I was able to step into this with a very clear and different mind right also, it's allowed me to kind of integrate this understanding that, like, everything I do doesn't have to be off of based on the desire that a man finds for me yeah. or that a woman finds for me. Yeah. But what I find for me, like, yeah. that going back to the holistic aspect of everything, right? Like, the last 10, 11 years have been fairly, you know, well, the last 15 years have been fairly, you know, interesting yeah. <laughs> to say the least feeling yourself and finding yourself hot and fucking yourself is the ultimate act of queer love right, right. i mean it's very homo to fuck yourself oh my god and, and then love yourself going beyond just like fucking yourself but being able to like like i said integration right yeah so like working with the chakras and mm. being able to like release trauma right not having an understanding of like why i feel certain ways in, you know, in regards to security and sexuality and like mm. all of these things, repression, you know, repressing certain things, being able to work with my root chakra and open it up consciously and intentionally mm. and work with other kinky and queer and even some, you know, not so queer people and yeah. being able to process and work through all of that and, you know, build up. Non-queer people have chakras too. <laughs> they do. They do. And the way in which we connect. Their root chakras are just so fucked up. Oh, my, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. We're not going to. Mm-mm. I've encountered not, not some conversation. Some... <laughs> oh, we're oh, I've encountered quite a quite a few myself as yeah, well. It's blocked blocked root chakras and straight people. But if you that's a whole, that's a whole. But if podcast. you look at it though, like the world around us is constantly telling us to keep our chakras blocked, to repress and and just hold in, and that's not our natural flow. Our natural flow is to be open, to mm. be expressive, to have our our chakras, our channels open, and being this highest elevation of ourself, not this perceived notion of what someone else wants for you. Yeah. That's, your, your chakras are closed, baby. You're not being yourself. You're not loving yourself to the fullest extent because you can't, because you don't know yourself, because you're being this idea that someone else wants for you. Mm-hmm. That shows up in sex work. That shows up whether you're a fucking employee at Marriott Whoa. thinking, you know, I need to be this person that is identifying people that might cause harm rather than just being like, hey, let me check you in. How are you today? Yeah. Or like, for, yeah, first do no harm. Yeah. Just yeah. loving yourself and loving those around you without pushing any idea 
onto them without mm. pushing any idea onto yourself outside of just just love baby just love oh thanks for bringing it back <laughs> i want to talk to you so much more about sex work and i have a feeling that we will but i really want to take the time to thank you for sharing everything that you've been through there's so much frustration in sex work representation in media where we either are the exploited victim or the happy hooker that we mm -hmm. have the onus to be one or the other and i feel like i mean one of the reasons that i really wanted to have you on the show is because of how your story about exactly what you're talking about that you're so evidently integrated and that nobody should have to go through what you went through but you went through it and you instead of like a lot of people who well that's a fucked up thing to say i was gonna say a lot of people who like go through that abuse then are like I need to rescue everybody else. And you're not trying to fucking rescue everybody. You're trying to talk about like, this is what your experience has been. And this is the work that I'm still doing. And this is the potential path or opportunity that I see for other people in all of my different communities. And I think it's fucking amazing. Thank you. Thank you. One thing that I've been um, hungry for is like one, I won't let my experiences consume me, right? Yeah. I want them to build me. But something I've been very aware of is that I have a certain privilege being the color that I am, right? I am a black woman, but I am a fairly light-skinned black woman, mm. right? Which comes with colorism is a thing. Totally. And it affects so many different layers of existence. You Can know? you define colorism for people who may not understand what it is? The idea that the closer to whiteness is rightness. Ooh, that is a very good definition. Yeah. We have all different ranges of colors across the spectrum of humanity. Yeah. Right? But it doesn't matter what country you're in. <laughs> whiteness is the ideal, right? There's skin bleaching. There's all of these mm. different things that are literally breaking down the tissue and killing people, causing mass sores. Like, the level of understanding that, the level of belief, it's not understanding, the level of misbelief mm. that whiteness is rightness. It mm. affects so many people, whether you are a sex worker or not. It literally affects everyone. And if you're applying that to being a woman, being a woman of color, yeah. right, and adding that to your desired level, uh, your to your level of desirability, mm. right, the closer you are to being white, like the lighter shades that you are, there's a certain level of respectability that you get, right? Like my father is a dark-skinned black man. He is fucking gorgeous. He has the most beautiful tone, yeah. right? Yeah. But if that was a, a woman, mm. right? And I've seen this across the board with all of my friends, right? Like even growing up, mm. right? It's a different way that the world communicates with you because they look at your skin color and assume certain things, right? And I remember a conversation that I had a couple of years ago with an, another young black sex worker, and she was about my father's color. Yeah. And she asked me if my color played into my success. Mm. And I remember being deeply offended mm. because I have worked years to become who I am. Yeah. To, like I, I charge a fairly significant amount of money. I am a, I'm a fetish escort in New York, right? I'm a black fetish escort in New York, Yeah. right? The rate in which I charge, it's nothing compared to those that are not of my color. Yeah. Right. That might be white. Like it might be just the default rate. Right. But in New York, as a black woman, 
it's a very like it's a it's ooh, a high rate. It's yeah. a high rate. It's ooh, is she worth that? Right. But this my color plays into it. Yeah. Right. Because there's a certain level of opportunity and privilege that I get from looking the way that I look, presenting the way that I do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All of that has played into it. One thing that I'm hungry for. Right. Like I remember growing up hearing that like kink. That was for white folks. Hmm. Mental health. Fucking therapy. That's for white folks. Mm. Right. Like the black and brown communities, we've been denied so much because white supremacy rules so very much. Yeah. That's not for you. You're othered. Nah, this this isn't for you. You're othered again. You're not deserving of this. There are so many kinky black folks we have. So and it's funny because, like I said, taking things in a negative context, power dynamics. Right. The government has been using power dynamics on us since the beginning of time. And that shit is unconsensually. No, non, it's, you get no consent. But to engage in something, mm. whether it's considered um, alternative or whatever, but to engage with consent with other fully aware individuals, mm. especially those that look like you. Mm. It's beautiful to be able to explore your kinks, explore your desire for, say, for instance, you're a little and you want to, mm. you know, have a daddy baby girl kind of thing. Mm. It's very different if you're a black person with a white partner right right because there are certain things whether that partner is is open and understanding and non-prejudiced like has done the work to understand their privilege and is doing the work to make sure that others understand their privilege right certain things automatically come into play yeah right and it's 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 beautiful you just have to know what to do with them yo and it's beautiful something that i'm i'm so incredibly appreciative of as far as being in new york and having access to this community is being able to connect with other kinky individuals that look like me mm, that's right? so amazing and being able to explore that right and now something that i'm hungry for you know is bringing not only kink you know but also holistic wellness to the black and brown communities and in and integrating those that's something that we don't necessarily have and integrating that with like my queerness you know like there's a whole bunch of us that are like confused as fuck Mm. (laughs) on so many different levels yeah you know so to be able to have this safe space or to be able to create this safe space or create this conversation for others to have this safe space that they can create for themselves that are black and brown and kinky and queer and just want to explore and want to figure out what the fuck am i doing what the fuck this is that's what i'm I'm hungry for as far as like myself my business Mm. you know i don't want to for the longest time i centered and oftentimes what you're taught to because white men are my they're my clients right yeah. you 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 kind of censor and and alter certain presentations to fit the level of desirability that you know your demographic will give you so that you can survive so and you thrive. can survive because capitalism is real yeah and now i have the privilege and the opportunity to kind of you know integrate my queerness because several years ago you didn't see that yeah it's not something you saw like I I was very kind of like hush hush about it yeah. not so hush hush well hush hush because I was trying to figure myself out but also because I was trying to figure out is this going to affect my my lifestyle is this going to affect my income because yeah. capitalism is real you know so now I have this privilege to start to integrate certain things that I've needed that I feel the community needs that I feel like the rest of the world needs and I feel like it starts with you know you got to start somewhere, so I might as well start with me. And if I can, like, touch one person and they can touch another person, then it grows like that. So I'm grateful and incredibly appreciative and aware of, like, the level of privilege and opportunity that I have before me. So, yeah, thank you guys because it wouldn't have happened without you. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Ashley, if there – for my POC listeners, Mm -hmm. what – 
resources can you recommend for all of this holistic integration of queerness and kinkiness and self-love and self-care and sex work community and sex work rights and surviving and thriving maybe one of those things maybe several maybe all like are you are you working on projects like are yes. there resources that you can recommend yes so um first i'm gonna do a couple shout outs so like if you're in if you're in new york and are a trans person trans person of color or a sex worker glitz cayenne dorishaw hell yeah she is fucking amazing yeah she's right Oh my God, I love her so very much. That is a major resource. Contact her, Dorshaw, like at Dorshaw on Instagram. Yeah. Um, Glitz, G L I T S? Yeah. Yeah, Glitz Inc. They're available on Instagram and their website and everything. Major resource, resource for trans people of color, sex workers. If you're unaware, <laughs> become aware of Raquel Savage. Oh, I don't know Raquel Savage. Oh my God. Raquel, if you're listening, girl, I love you. You're going to be my new best friend. She's fucking amazing. She is a sex educator that is very open and transparent. She has a podcast. She has a fucking Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, like all of that. A wonderful educator, a wonderful um, resource to connect with and get some understanding on a couple of different things, not just related to kink, but also, just sexuality in general. What I'll do is I'll actually make a list for everyone on my Instagram and my Twitter, um, other resources. But I'm also doing a podcast with my girl, Cayenne Amore. We are working on a oh. podcast called The Hoedown, which we're going to be launching in March. Yes. Um, and we're going to be talking about all of this, kink and queerness, being women of color in the adult industry. Oh, yes. Um, just transparency and holistic wellness, you know. Um, let me see. There are... Resources like the Goddess Gathering. Ooh. If you're in New York, wonderful resources uh, for connecting with your your inner goddess. And we have conversations on some of everything. That is run by my girl Chadley, who's fucking phenomenal. You know, connecting with communities, Purple Passion, Babeland, um, Pleasure, Pleasure Chest. Chest. Like all of these different classes or all of these different places give you resources to connect with that are run by other kinky and queer and, you know, people of color that just are interested in teaching and educating. Right. Um, a couple of books I would highly recommend. Oh, yes. Books. Um, the Book fucking... Club. Midori, first oh, yes. of all. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna just say Midori's friend, books. Friend of the pod. I I love her. I took her um Femdom uh Oh, the Fort of Femme? Yes. Yeah. Oh, some years ago. And that was so very much life changing. Um she goes around the world. She's in San Francisco, she does them in New York, she does them out of the country. Um phenomenal resource. Check out her books, check out yeah, her uh, she's a she's a legend. Yeah, she's just everything. She's a goddess. Anadea Judith, The Wheels of Life, right? Ooh. So that talks about chakras and healing and integrating certain levels of holism into your life. Cool. Right? So don't just limit yourself to queer and kinky and POC resources. Understand, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Some <laughs> stuff is very much not, like, the education is available for everyone yeah but it may not be tailored to us 
Yeah. Right. So mm. I'm working on a list of resources for you for you folks that I will definitely share. Um, and you can see it on my Instagram um, and my Twitter. I will have it up later on this week. But also like getting on FetLife and also being well aware of who you are. Develop a certain level of understanding. So like that little twinge you get when just like, oh, is this is this off? Did this motherfucker just Listen to that mm. and open your mouth. and oh, it and saved your life. Yo. Listening you know, to your gut saved your life. It really has. And it's also, it's saved my, well, it saved me from certain levels of internalized hatred because mm. someone was bringing certain levels of prejudice into kinky play. Yeah. Right? Like something, and be aware of the things that you don't like and you know, say that, use your words, do things with consent, lay out your fucking boundaries and be aware of sometimes the ways in which race can play out. Like, I don't know how many times I've had, even in Vegas, right? I was asked to do a scene mm. and I'm just like, fuck yeah, let's do it. You know, it's a kink scene. I was going to be doing it with my girl. And the other person last minute said it's going to be a race play. This is a woman of color. I don't do race play. Yeah. It's just I'm not comfortable with it. Yeah. For so many reasons. Yeah, that's not that's just, not something that you spring on someone at the last it's minute. It's not. And I've had people like even when I was at a play party not too long ago and I was doubling up with this this other woman and we brought this submissive in and he like volunteered and he's like I want you guys to hurt me. I've never done this before but like hurt me. And all of a sudden she was bringing in racialized terms and I'm just like that's a hard limit yeah right like certain certain things that make you uncomfortable say that shit stand by it don't let anybody push you out of any other level of comfort definitely grow and blossom and step out of your comfort zone but walk away whole mm. in every facet of the word regardless of what kind of what kind of play or kink or sex or whatever type of connection you're engaging in, make sure that you walk away whole. And I will definitely share more resources. Oof. Walk away <laughs> whole. I love it. I, I definitely want us to talk about daddies. Yes. Ashley. Yes, Tina. <laughs> somebody somebody recently was like oh yeah tina flirts with everybody on the show and i was like mm, yeah but i feel like you can tell when i'm flirting with some people more than others totally A can't tell anyway <laughs> thank you so much for bringing your whole self into the studio and for everything that you've shared with us and we're going to do a whole episode about why are people into daddies now so awesome. if you haven't heard that one yet tune in to the feed and check out ashley at mistress page nyc mistress page underscore nyc on instagram and ashley page nyc on twitter and that's p-a-i-g-e and the website uh, my fetish website is mistresspagenyc.com and my fetish companionship website mm. is ashleypagenyc.com. Mm, companionship sounds so good. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.